0: We're not gonna show that one again, that's too stressful for me. <laughs> I'm going crazy. So, one of my least favorite things is arguing in life. Um, good morning, <laughs> welcome to Jericho Road. On that happy note, I am so glad you're here. Welcome, uh, there's some folks that join us in Thailand, there's some folks that join us in Tennessee, there's some folks that join us in Tacoma, all the T's of the world, but I think they moved out of Tacoma, but near Tacoma. Uh, and so those are our satellite campuses, I was joking that with them this week, uh, just about being a JRC in Tennessee, JRC in Tacoma, and, and uh, Mark was saying, thank, you, thank God for the pandemic that we could still be joining Jericho Road, even though we're miles and miles away. And, and so there, are some, there is a good, good uh, piece about the pandemic, the uh, silver lining around the cloud. Uh, so glad you guys are here, bless you each this morning. Let's start out with our shop. What do we do? Love God and love others. What do we say? I love God and I love you. Amen. And uh, I can't tell you how often now I hear that phrase coming up. I hear it when I'm walking around the street by strangers. I hear it when I'm listening to the prayers of our saints at this church. And so I love that I think it is starting to take root in our hearts uh, that, that our church is existing to love God and to love others. So cool. Uh, I I have just a side note. This doesn't have anything to do with the sermon. Um, Our financial year ended. uh, I just got the statement this morning about how our church did. I want to remind you, uh, one year ago, our church budgeted uh, for the coming year, guessing what the church would cost and that sort of stuff. And they took a step of faith, the the leadership board, and they budgeted with a negative $40,000, assuming we were going to lose $40,000, but they're going to do what God wants, Listen to God, take out of the savings if we had to take out of the savings, because they had this this vision for God, what he had for our church, and it was a $40,000 loss. I got the statement this morning, the final statement about last year's budget. Last year's budget, not only did we not have a $40,000 loss, we had a $7,000 in the black. That's the first time since I've been at this church that it it was that drastic, it was that clear. And so... I don't know how to tell you other than to continue to thank you for your faithfulness. Giving is a worship act of God, and it is a sacrificial one. And he recognizes it, and he honors it, and I want to thank every one of you who have been giving faithfully to this church. There are so many cool things that God has planned this year. I can't wait to see what he's going to do in 2021. And it is because of the faithful, one of the pieces is because of your faithful giving. Not only, but that's part of our worship to him. So that's just a separate piece. I want to thank you for doing that. We say it every. We try to say it every week. Thank you, uh, because it's so important. Because you guys are making this church uh, functional and uh, successful. And so, thanks a lot. What a blessing. Uh, good job to you, and good job to uh, you know for uh, blessing the church that way. Last week we talked about listening to others for our benefit. I mean, for their benefit. Like how I can become a, a better listener so that I can. Uh, build them up, bless them so I can become a better listening, uh, listener to facilitate communication and, and community. But today we're going to talk about listening to others for our benefit. So God has placed people in our lives that we ought to listen carefully to for our benefit. And so for the purpose of this sermon today, we're going to call those people that, that we ought to listen to, we're going to call them mentors for the remainder of this sermon. Okay, so today we literally have only one movement. We're just talking about listening to mentors. Now, it happens to have three subcategories, which, of course, pastors always have three subcategories of something. And so uh, we have one main movement, listening to mentors, but there's three types of mentors I'd sort of want to think through. Uh, The first one is uh, parents as mentors. The second is like people who will mentor us in our lives. And the third is a very specific uh, people who will mentor us in our Christian faith. So parents as mentors, life mentors, and Christian mentors. And so those are the subcategories of listening to mentors in our life. So a mentor of mine once told me that a great way to let go of my anger was to write letters to people that I hate and then to burn them. Well, I did it. And I felt much, much, much better. But uh, I'm not really sure what to do with all the letters, though. Ah, That was a joke. Oh, maybe this one's better. Is this a better joke? Sometimes we think mentors are supposed to be like this. (laughs) I got one idea, and they're going to make it a Fortune 500 company, something like that. What do you call a a Jamaican teacher at Hogwarts? He's the mentor. Uh, No. No. What do you call an average masonry instructor? He's a C mentor. C grade cement though? Cementor? Masonry? Oh man. This is going way worse than I thought. So I won't give you the last one. Oh, but I have to. What do you call a chinchilla sommelier? That's a (laughs) fermenter. Fur chinchilla. Somalier is an expert at wine, fermenting, so he's mentoring you in fermenter. Thanks, thanks. You know when you have to explain it, it is not good. And uh, so in, in case you're online uh, and you couldn't hear the sadness that was in the room, there was physical sadness here. There was no joy, nobody laughed, and so if you're laughing online, thank you, bless you, you can you know, send an email, encourage me, um, I won't ever do those jokes again. All right, so back to real life. Um, I've had the opportunity in my life to have a lot of really great mentors, a lot of incredible people in my life. Uh, The problem was that much of my life I'd hear the mentor, but I wouldn't listen to them. Like, I'd fail to fully take in what they were saying. So the way I was using mentors for almost most of my life was, was I was using them as a confirmation station. So if I came to the mentor and I shared what was going on and they gave me the advice, and the advice matched what I already wanted to do, then I said, great advice, mentor. I'm going to take that, thanks a lot, bless you. But if the mentor in my life said to do the opposite thing of what I was already thinking, then I would just say, well, at least I, I heard them out. But you know I'm going to make this other decision instead. And I, so, so I, like, I just literally like, would listen, but, but never follow their advice. And, and this was true all the way until my maybe late 30s. I know, maybe a late bloomer. Um, but but uh, a little bit later in life, I was facing a major issue, a, a major thing that I was going through. And I went up uh, to a couple of my mentors, and I, I asked them about it, and, and I had in mind what I wanted to do. And the first guy that I asked, uh, he told me to do the opposite thing of what I had in mind to do. And then I was like, oh, okay. Then I asked a second mentor and a third mentor of mine uh, the same thing, and they told me the same the same answer as the other mentor, which was all three of them now saying the opposite of what I thought I wanted to do. And for the first time in my life, uh, I decided to listen to someone else's advice and do what they were saying, even though I thought my idea was right. I thought this is what I wanted to do. But I said, you know what? Let me be mature about this, finally. I was like late 30s, right? (laughs) Let me be mature about this and, and listen, even though I disagree, and I did. And it it turns out they were absolutely right. Uh, In hindsight, they were 100% right. Uh, It was an easy decision for them. If I was on their side, I would have been taking that. Um, But sometimes we get caught up in ourselves, and we're just looking for a confirmation station. We're not looking to actually hear and change and follow the advice of someone else. So it, it took me almost 40 years to get to this place where I could lower my pride enough to truly listen and to actually be open Uh, to following a different path than the one that I had already decided on. So I would say, don't be a late bloomer like me. Maybe some of you, it's already too late. You're a little bit old, and and you've been like me. But God puts people in our lives to help us navigate well. People who uh, who will mentor us to grow and to live and, and to be the people that God wanted us to be. The first mentor in our lives, the first mentors are our parents. The book of Proverbs says this. It says, listen, listen, my son, to your father's instructions and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They're a garland of grace uh, around your head and a chain to adorn your neck. In Proverbs 4, it said, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life to those who find them and healing to the whole body. So the Proverbs here have an assumption of a, of a, that the parents in mind are, are godly parents. The parents in mind are, are trying to give godly advice as they're speaking to their kids. And the, the Bible here is telling us it behooves us to listen to our parents who love us and have our best interest in mind. See, God's word is pretty clearly teaching us to take in, to draw into our hearts and hold on to the wisdom that our parents offer us. And so here for kids and teens, mostly teens and and early 20s, here's God's word for you. And I want you to hear it really specifically. This is, is specifically for those of you that are in your teenage years and early 20 years. Listen very carefully. Here's God's word for you. You've got to believe that your parents, more often than not, know what they're talking about when they offer you advice. And I know it's hard. Because inside, when they say the opposite thing of what you think, They're like, no, they're dead wrong. They don't know. They don't understand. They don't. I get it. I understand. I understand that that's how you feel. But for teens, I want you to be really careful in in early 20s. When you're tempted to reject your parents' advice, I want you to just take a day. That's 24 hours. Maybe you've gotten an argument over something, and you asked their advice, and they gave it, and you don't feel like listening. Just take 24 hours and pray about it. And say, God, what are they saying? Reveal to me if what they're saying is correct. Just just don't do it in front of anyone else. I know it's hard to as a teenager, but go in your own room and, and just pause on, on your pride for just a second. And get to this humility place and say, God, might it be what they're saying is right? And just, just entertain the thought. And Don't tell anyone. I know because you always got to be right, but but uh, outside, it's okay. But in your own inner heart, just say, God, is this the right advice? Just take 24 hours and ask God about it. And if they aren't, and God reveals to you, no, child, you're right. Your parents are wrong. That happens occasionally. And God reveals that to you. Then, uh, then you start to pray, God, would you open up my parents' hearts so that they can see from my perspective? Uh, if you need help broaching that with your parents, just uh, link them last week's sermon where I told parents we have a hard time listening to our kids because we just assume we know them because we've known them since they're babies. And so sometimes that is hard for our parents. And so if you need help getting your parents to change their perspective or to listen, just link them to last, last week's message. But parents aren't perfect, though. There are times when you should reject your parents' advice. Namely, when that advice goes against God. See, so if your parents tell you to do something that goes against God, that's when you should absolutely reject your parents' advice. When I was uh, in my late teens and early 20s, my father, who was not a believer, as a, as a young teenage man uh, or older teenage man, my father said, Son, you should be uh, getting drunk and drinking, you should be trying drugs, and you should be having sex with all sort of people. That was my dad's advice to me in my, early, uh, my late teens and early 20s. And uh, luckily... God had kind of been getting a hold of me by then, and so I rejected that advice from him because it went against what God had, had in mind. And, and it wasn't godly advice. So there is a time to reject your parents' advice, but, but more often than not, you ought to listen to your parents. The Bible is pretty clear as he puts them in your life because they care about you. They love you deeply. And I know sometimes maybe it doesn't feel like that, but they are your first mentors. And you, so you ought to lit, listen to your parents. So after parents, God brings into our life people uh, who can help us on our life's journey, just uh, sort of life mentors. Check out this proverb in chapter 19. It says, get all the advice and the instruction that you can so that you'll be wise in the rest of your life. And Proverbs 15 said, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed." Because the Bible's teaching is pretty clear. The Proverbs aren't overly complicated right here. It said God's going to put people in your life who can give you good advice. I always tell folks when they're talking to me about like how to navigate life issues, I always tell them you have got to have two or three or four people that you absolutely trust in your corner that can give you life advice. You've got to have them. If you don't have them, you've got to search them out and find them. Now, they don't have to be scholars, and they don't even have to be pastors or that kind of stuff. Just trusted people who have demonstrated wisdom in their lives. So one of the guys I, I look to for this kind of wisdom life advice is actually my mechanic. He's a car mechanic. And, and every time I go uh, I, and I talk to him and, and I have something that's unclear in my mind or, or something and I'm talking to him about it, man, the way he talks, I don't know what it is about him, but the way he talks, it always makes so, so clear to me. And then I go there and I walk away with like two or three uh, like life nuggets and I'm like, "Wow, man, my life is better and my oil got changed. That is so good." I'm like, "I love Steve. You know, I can I'm I, I'm so thankful for Perfect Auto in Bellflower if you want to go down a trusted mechanic of mine." Just loving and and he's I sort of think of him as a life mentor. If I told him that, he would like be he's like, "Oh, no way." He's like, "Stop, don't ever say anything like that." And so it's not Steve and Bellflower Perfect Auto. It is not that person, so don't go to him for any advice. No, uh, just a fantastic person. And it's not spiritual advice, it's life advice of you know friends and family or how to navigate uh, you know, how, how he navigates his business situation and, and talks with different kind of people and all sorts of stuff. And so it's just someone I look to. And so they don't have to be a pastor necessarily, something like that, especially for life advice. Life mentors come in all sorts of uh, places and all sorts of sa- shapes and sizes. And they don't have to be like a, a wizened old man who will give you, you know, something like that. In fact, they don't even have to be older than you. One of the mentors that I look to, if if ever I have any management questions or or like something like that, is this uh, person who I feel is like a genius in ma- management. And, and he just works in management as a profession. Uh, his name is Jason. And, and he's a, either my age or a little bit younger than me. But I absolutely look to him as a mentor. And if ever I have any, like, how do you organize this sort of question? Like, how does this kind of management with people work? Or how do you manage a project, a, a big kind of project? And I absolutely uh, talk with him, and, and he's given so much great wisdom to me. And so they don't have to be old and wizened or, you know, like a, the oldest person in the room necessarily. They come from all over. And our verses are reminding us that, that we can have people in our lives who will, if we will listen to them, will bring great value to us, will help us succeed in life. That's just a practical piece. It'll, it will just help us do better in life. Get their input. Listen to what they're saying. Like, truly listen to it. Don't think that you have to know everything already. And don't be embarrassed that someone will think you're dumb or you're weak or you're indecisive because you're asking advice. The Bible is clear, and it says, the wise ask for advice. The dumb don't. And so, if you're like, well, I don't want to look dumb. You know what looks dumb? When you don't ask for advice. And the Bible's super clear about it in these Proverbs. So whatever your career or your work or or whatever you're kind of doing in life, make sure that you have people who can help you navigate that. People who are in that specific field. So if you're in the field of teaching, you should have some teacher people who can help you teach better. If you're in the medical field, some some people who can just help you navigate whatever that's like. Because honestly, I can't. You can come to me with all the life uh, issues you have about your veterinarian business, and I, I don't know. I don't know any of that. And so don't ask me life advice for that. I cannot mentor you in that area. But, but you ought to have someone who can. You need to have advice in the areas that are, there's lots of areas that are important in life, and you need to have people who will speak into those, who will be able to speak into that specific particular situation that you're in. And so God puts all sorts of people in our lives who can mentor us in those very specific areas of needs at a, at a very particular given time in our lives. Now, I would say the most important area in life, though, is our relationship with God. And so since that's the case, I think God also provides for us Christian mentors as well. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time here talking about just what Christian mentors look like and getting some in our lives. And I'll say the first, and I don't want to skim by it. Our first Christian mentor is Jesus Christ himself, the ultimate Christian mentor. So we need to listen to Jesus. We need to listen to his life. We need to listen to his words to us. And luckily for us, his life and words were recorded for you and I in the Bible. I want to encourage you uh, to make a life pattern, however many years of life that you have, that you read through the gospel, at least there's four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all talk about Jesus' life. Pick one at least a year and read through that uh, at least one time in the year. Where where at least once a year we're going through one of the books that's recorded, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, about Jesus' life, and allow Jesus to mentor you through the reading of the Word of God uh, through the biographies that we find in those gospels. Now if you'll find, as you look at Jesus, here are some of his mentorship. Here are some of his mentorship techniques and tactics. Here's how he interacts with the disciples. One of the great ways is he has the ministry of presence. He's just with them. He spends time with them. He has a ministry of prayer. He prays over them, and he prays with them. He eats with them all the time. They're hanging out, eating all the time together. He challenges them. He tells them to step out in faith and do something that's ridiculous. Remember, he tells Peter to get out of the boat and walk on water and come to him. So he challenges their faith all the time. And he rebukes them. I mean, he calls one of his guys Satan, for goodness sake. I mean, like, dude, that's so ruthless. He said, get behind me, Satan. You're acting like Satan. Like, that's a harsh rebuke from the God of the universe. He encourages with words of love and he empowers his disciples. He truly listens to them. The really interesting thing about Jesus is that his word will do those exact same things to us. They'll kick our butt when our butt needs kicking. They'll encourage us. They'll they'll bring you into his presence. See, I think Jesus is actually alive. Though he was dead, he was resurrected. And he continues to be alive. The book of Revelation says uh, Jesus is talking to the church and he says, hey, church folks, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with you. Like this is the resurrected Jesus talking about, and I don't think it's a metaphor. I think Jesus actually, in reality, wants to have his presence with you. He wants to take you to lunch. He wants to, he wants to mentor you in a real, real way, if you'll allow him. And I know it's, it's kind of weird. Like, How does Jesus, who's not like physically right here, but he's still alive and present, how does that work? Well, he's knocking at your door. You've got to answer the door and find out. I can't tell you how that works. Open up the door. He's knocking and see what lunch with Jesus this week looks like. Maybe I think Tuesday, maybe he wanted to make an appointment with you on Tuesday to have lunch together. I don't know. Check your calendar. See if you're available. So his word, uh, that, that's sort of the way that Jesus is our first mentor and, and then a reality as we walk in him. The second sort of spiritual mentor that we can have is a guy named Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul tells his followers this. In Corinthians, he said, Even if you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. So he's telling his folks, hey, look at me and imitate me. And in Philippians, he says, Whatever you've learned or you've received or you've heard from me or you've seen in me, put it in practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul says, hey... Folks that are around, folks that I've talked to, look at me and imitate me. And so Paul is another person. Just like we listen to Jesus, we can listen to Paul, the Apostle Paul, and become imitators of his faith. So in a sense, he can become a mentor to us as well. Now, not in the same sense as Jesus, because Paul's dead and he's in heaven and he can't be in more than one place. He's not God. And he can't have his actual presence with you now, though Jesus absolutely can, but Paul can't. But we can... uh, learn through his mentorship as we're reading through the New Testament. And lastly, each of us should have real-life mentors uh, for, our, for our Christian lives right now, so including Jesus, who is real life, but actual other people who uh, are in our lives who can speak to us, someone that you trust with your inmost heart, someone who could speak to you in your vulnerable times, someone that, that when you're hurting or you need a voice of wisdom or you need prayer, that that person you can reach out to her. That, that, that person should be acting in the flesh just like Jesus was for his disciples. Praying for you, maybe eating together, encouraging you, encouraging you sharing truth with you, and even rebuking you if necessary. There's this really cool proverb, Twenty five twelve says, like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is the rebuke of a wise judge to a listening ear. If you've got some Christian friends who are really willing to call you out in areas that you need to get called out on, that's like that's like gold, man. That's what the Bible is saying. That is gold. Spiritual mentors are especially important in exposing sin and areas of needed growth in our blind spots. See, Satan loves to get us to lie to ourselves, convincing us that we're fine. Or or that, uh, you know, it's not a big deal, that kind of thing that, yeah, maybe that secret sin I don't tell anyone about. It's not that big of a deal, though. And Satan is really good at convincing us that we should just go ahead and keep some stuff hidden. And without the clarity of an outside viewpoint, we can get stuck in our own sort of loop. Convincing ourselves that a number of offenses are okay. Convincing ourselves that, man, God just made me with a jerky personality, so that's why I can just continue to be a jerk to people. And we convince ourselves that this is the case. That's not the case. And you ought to have some spiritual people who can say, hey, hey, brother, hey, sister, I love you. And that one's out of bounds. Without the clarity of an outside viewpoint, we just get stuck. But when should we reject the advice of our spiritual mentors? Well, it's the exact same as our parents. You should reject the advice of a spiritual mentor if it goes against God's word. And this can happen. Like in my life, uh, when my wife and I started dating, she went to her church folks who love her, amazing Christian people who love Jesus deeply and dearly, and some of her mentors. And she said, hey, hey, Christian mentors, should I continue to date this guy? And they, every one of them, said, absolutely not. And they said, you should uh, flee from that. Um, So their advice, even though they loved her as believers, as we look back at it, was was mainly based on the idea that it was because I was white. And so their, their advice was from this ethnocentrism place that they're not bad people. They love God. They're passionate people for the Lord. And yet their, their advice or their wisdom wasn't coming from a place where God was coming from. And so, thank you, Jesus, she rejected their advice and decided to continue to date me and then ultimately marry me. And so sometimes that happens. And and so these people in our life, they're not perfect. When you you have a mentor, you imitate someone, you're not assuming that they can never make mistakes because they're people too. But we're we're taking in some good godly advice when it's available. So I pray that you're open to having some spiritual mentors in your life. And and if you don't already have some, you've got to be bold enough to seek them out. You've got to have these in life. Then additionally, as your pastor, I would like you to consider that God not only wants you to have spiritual mentors in your life, but he also wants you to become a spiritual mentor for other people. So I mentioned on our Fresh Vision series about God's call to our church to like become a mentoring church. Like We want to be known as that. We want that as part of our DNA of our church. So... Uh, in that idea, I hereby give you ordain and call you to be a spiritual mentor of somebody else, further granting you full access uh, for you to receive spiritual men- mentorship from from other people. So there we go. You are officially ordained as mentors, spiritual mentors of others, and then with freedom to receive mentorship uh, spiritually from others in the community. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> uh. And in our church, it doesn't have to be like a program of mentorship, but it's a heart of mentorship. It could be irregular meetings. It can be on Zoom. It could be with coffee or not. It can be with book or over the Bible or all sorts of ways. Like a, About a year and a half ago, uh, our church was talking about making mentorship, maybe it was two years ago, uh, making mentorship a, a part of the DNA of our church. And... It was a little bit sort of nebulous to me. I have heart sometimes thinking of like these like just nebulous ideas. And so uh, I called a spiritual mentor of mine. I called Jerome Williams, uh, who, who I absolutely consider a spiritual mentor. And, and I said, hey, Jerome, like our church is talking about mentorship and, and how should I develop like a program uh, or mentorship opportunities for people, uh, especially for the seasoned believers. Like what kind of program should I do, do you think, Jerome? What, what kind of like what kind of what, what should I set up? What I, what program should he have? And what should I do? And then he said, "Don't develop a program." He said, "Do not start a ministry of mentorship." He knows me pretty well. <laughs> I want to do something right away. He says, "Rather develop a heart of mentorship in the hearts of the saints." It's like, oh, dude. So I started a ministry of mentorship. Uh, No, just kidding. I did not reject it. That's why we don't have one. See, I've, I've learned to listen. I really wanted to start classes and stuff and structure. But I think Jerome was right. It doesn't matter what program we have if we don't have a heart to mentor people. You know what another word for mentorship is? Hold on, it's discipleship. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Same thing. That you care about people spiritually and that you have people who care about you spiritually. So I'm not developing a program for mentorship, but we will be developing a heart of care in the spiritual area for one another and for ourselves. How can we listen in our own lives to a mentor if we don't have people like that in our lives. If there's no one to speak into our life, I can't possibly listen. Likewise, if we are unwilling to speak into someone else's life, they can never listen to a mentor. So today's message, to listen to others, to listen to mentors, necessitates that we are both sides of that coin, that we both listen to mentors and that we become mentors who can listen to other people. Look, last week we emphasized the need to listen to others so that they will be blessed. This week we heard the need to listen to others so that we will be blessed. It's really cool because next week we are going to refresh our hearts in the need to listen to God so that all will be blessed. Let's go ahead and we're going to stand and worship today as we close this. And then I'll close this in prayer right after this worship song.